And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey guys, this is Bill. Uh, before you get to the episode, I wanted to update you on uh, the Kayvon Pope situation. We recorded this podcast on Sunday morning before Ohio State had announced that uh, senior linebacker Kayvon Pope had been dismissed from the program for what happened during Saturday night's game against Akron. I'm sure you're aware of that. We detail it later in this episode. Uh, but he's been dismissed. Uh, he'll remain on scholarship for the rest of the semester. I suspect we'll see his name in the transfer portal here um, sometime shortly. Kayvon posted a, an apology on his Twitter account also around the same time that the dismissal was announced he said last night i let my emotions get the best of me for that i want to apologize to my teammates coaches and buckeye nation i made a mistake and know that i need to be better and do better i'm going to take this time to reflect and work on my mental well-being so that case is uh shut i suppose for ohio state but we do talk about what happened and um maybe what it means for the program later on in this episode but wanted to just update you that Kayvon has been dismissed from the program enjoy the show culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with AMB, your high state podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined by uh, soon-to-be father, Ari Wasserman. It's getting close. It's getting close. You nervous? I quit. F you. Good luck moving <laughs> forward, though. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. Good luck Good luck to my teammates. Uh, yeah, weird game. Ohio State 59, Akron 7. Uh, you know, maybe not the most in- instructive game, but a weird game nonetheless because nothing around Ohio State right now can be normal. So we'll talk about Kayvon Pope in a second, but I do want to ask you this because you uh, 
or one of our resident gambling experts, I think, at the Athletic. Pretty sweaty end of that game, right? In terms of the total and and the spread. Well, the Akron, the, 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 the fun, doorstep. I can't remember the last time this happened, but usually when Ohio State fans bet on Ohio, they bet on Ohio State. They also bet the over. So it was kind of like one of those things where it's like if Akron scores, then Ohio State doesn't cover the game, and if they don't score, then the over doesn't hit. So right. it's like there's a lot of people that were in. <laughs> it was sweaty, but there were a lot of people that probably parlayed those two things, and. No matter what happened, they were going to lose. So I can't remember yeah. the last time uh, Ohio State played in a game where the opponent was knocking on the door in a meaningless touchdown situation where they were going to screw one of the two things. So like, yeah. I'm actually kind of surprised that Ohio State covered the 48 and a half or whatever it was. Um, but they probably shouldn't have because the ball hit a receiver in the chest. <laughs> right. I was I was standing on the sideline, I don't know, 15 feet from that dude. I don't know how he didn't catch it. <laughs> I was, yeah. I was right there to hit him right in the face. Yeah, and honestly, that's like the most important thing that happened. So uh, that, that's funny, man. Uh, so what was the the atmosphere like at the stadium? Where, where you think people felt like there was a lot on Twitter of it finally felt like I was watching Ohio State again. Like, I mean, I know yeah. that I made that funny tweet that we joked about off the air last week about the flex tape meme where the water's right. coming out and you slap Akron the tape on there. But, you know – this is something that you believe, you know, I don't think anything that happened in that game matters, but I wonder from an emotionally, uh, emotional boost standpoint, do you think that that could be a thing? I do. I, I think Ohio State just needed to feel like Ohio State, like you said, and that is, you know, execute pretty well, I thought, on both sides of the wall. It wasn't wasn't perfect by any stretch, but they played a tremendously overmatched opponent. And they just kind of kicked their ass up and down the field for four quarters. A- after the first, like, two or three drives, they just kicked their ass up and down the field for, for four quarters. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to put too much on it, but we've been waiting for them to do something like that. And I was actually going through the comments of the story that I wrote after the game, and, and somebody said, like, I don't care if it was Akron. I'm just happy to watch Ohio State pummel a team that was supposed to pummel. And it's like, yeah, that's a perfectly reasonable way to kind of absorb this win. Um, doesn't mean whatever was plaguing Ohio State is fixed at all. Um, but I also think, you know, they had nine sacks. Akron sucks, but they had nine sacks. Um, you felt the defensive line. And, and I do think I do think there have been some small steps in a positive direction for the defense the last two weeks in terms of what they're doing and who they're playing. The results have not always been pretty. And again, I think the ceiling for the defense is relatively low compared to Ohio State standard, but... I would be feeling somewhat good about some of the tweaks they're making to that defense moving forward. And we'll see. You know, they play Rutgers and, and Maryland the next two weeks, and I think those are two teams, while not very good, are two teams that can potentially make things interesting if Ohio State's not clicking the way it should be clicking this time of year. So, But, yeah, I think it's good for Ohio State to feel good about itself. Yeah, I feel like there's a very thin line between Akron and FCS team. So mm-hmm. – but that doesn't mean that you can't draw personnel conclusions or, you yeah. know, the way that the ball came out of a quarterback's hand or, you know, who's out there and how they're aligned, you know, all the things that you like to write down in your notebook, you know. And sure. I feel like they are they look pretty good, you know. I, I don't remember what we predicted, but Kyle McCord, 13 of 18, 319 yards, two touchdowns, a, a weird interception there at the end. I – I don't really – I feel like he was fine. I think yeah. the thing that I think is he played well enough where I want to see both again. 
And I yes. and I feel like if you play CJ Stroud and do we agree that Jack Miller is just kind of the third here? I yes, I agree with that, but I will say in his limited snaps, you know, he 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 played okay. I thought I mean, he he looked uh poised, I think is the way that Ryan Day described it and I would agree with that. He I think he only threw eight passes in garbage time, but he is, you know, Kyle McCord started and played the first three quarters, so Jack yeah, Jack Miller is certainly worthy of a scholarship. I just didn't know if we were going to pretend like this is a three three person no. race. Okay, no, no. So this is going to be setting up perfectly for Ohio State, and I know you don't want to have middle of the year, middle of the year competitions, but I say both play in Maryland and Rutgers. Uh, Indiana sucks. You can play both in Indiana, and you can have a prolonged three week battle now where both get reps, both are, are splitting first-team reps in practice, and then whoever is named the starter for the Penn State job at the end of October is the starter for the rest of the year. Like, to me, that's the perfect way to handle this. Yeah, I they have the the bye before Indiana, so maybe you make your decision then. Um, I, I would be on board with that plan. I still – I just don't know if Ryan Day would be. Um, he's been pretty adamant that he doesn't want to play two quarterbacks as, like, a matter of course. Um, and maybe maybe he'll change his mind now that you know Kyle McCord has some experience and C.J. Stroud I think has played well in stretches but he's not been lights out so like the door is open and it is interesting I thought like clearly there was a, an opportunity for Kyle McCord to just like be in- incredible even if it was Akron there was a chance for him to just be totally locked in laser show like we talked about in the last episode um, and make it obvious that he should probably start next week against that's Rutgers. not what that it didn't was ha- yeah that didn't happen but he also wasn't a disaster it was like right down the middle. <laughs> <laughs> so also, and he also I, had a few really, really good throws that were like, "Wow!" Yes, yeah, yeah. So I'm fascinated to see how Ryan Day chooses to spin that because you can say, like, you know what, Kyle is young; he made too many mistakes. Uh, we like his potential. You saw some of it, but like CJ's our starter; he's healthy. CJ's our starter moving forward. Or you can say, like, man, those flashes from Kyle were pretty good. Uh, we're going to see how it goes this week, and he and CJ can compete for the job, and we'll see which one of them is a starter on Saturday at Rutgers. Like, I think Ryan Day could go either way with that, and it would be reasonable based on Kyle McCord's performance. Isn't it exactly the way that we perceived the quarterback competition was going to be? A young, insanely talented five-star prospect who can make crazy throws but might not be as consistent, and CJ Stroud, who's really, really good, can make all the throws he needs to make, isn't quite as talented but might turn the ball over less? Like or yeah, like might make I, less yeah. mistakes, and it's like that's exactly what it is, and that's what you have to choose between. Yes, which makes me think that that the decision for Ryan Day in camp was probably pretty hard because there. I mean, there's clearly there's not a lot of gap between the two, right? There's I, I don't know if there's any gap between the two, but you had to pick one to to start when you start the season the way the Ohio State did with those two with Minnesota and, and Oregon. But you know, R- Ryan Day, Ryan Day was not asked directly. After the game, and he probably should have been, and I'll take some blame for that because I had a chance to ask it and I didn't do it. Like, is CJ start? Is, is CJ Stroud your starter moving forward? You're going to take the blame directly. for that when you were the one throwing heaters out there. Well, I, I went first, which like I normally don't go first. If I had not gone first, you I asked the most asked pertinent questions. Pat yeah, yourself on about, the back. You did good about about Kayvon Pope. Yeah, yeah we'll, which we'll get to. Pou- I think pouncing on the obvious thing. Um, but anyway, Ryan Ryan Day. Like left it open ended, which I I find fascinating. Like, and part of that, I guess, is CJ Stroud's healthy, so we get to see how CJ's feeling in practice on Sunday, and then we'll go from there. Um, but he definitely could have said CJ Stroud's our starter, and just like close the book on it, and he didn't do it. So I don't know. I think it's 
it's possible. I think the common accord still starts. Well, let me week. just ask you this. You're a coach of Ohio State football's team. Ohio State's football's team. Ohio State's football's team. <laughs> Take the names off of it. Quarterback A, a little bit less talented, a little more seasoned, another an extra year in the program, might not make as many mistakes, but doesn't have the wow factor. Or quarterback B, which is Kyle McCord, take the name away, insanely talented, has a huge arm, can make any throw on the field, will wow you from time to time, but might be a freshman every now and then. Like, which template do you pick? Because mm. do you need the wow to beat to beat Bama? Yeah, I think I think at some point you're going to need the person with the higher ceiling as a as a passer and that's probably McCord. But I also like I don't I don't think the gap between the two if CJ Stroud is healthy is tremendously wide in terms of passing potential. Um and I think CJ gives you probably a little more as a runner, although he has not run, so maybe that sounds silly of me to say. I don't know. It's the, it's it's kind of the thing we were talking about last week. Like, who do you think long term maximizes the offense? And I think you can convince yourself of either one, but you need to make that decision now <laughs> because, like, you have Rutgers and Maryland to buy in Indiana, and then it gets real with Penn State coming in here, and you got to play Michigan State and Michigan and go on the road at Nebraska, which you know would maybe not be that tough of a test. So, I don't know. I think I'd probably take B. I think I take the long-term potential if you think that person can reach that potential by some point this season. I think it B is a no-brainer. Now, here's the thing that's interesting about that. In theory, Ohio State isn't supposed to lose to anybody on their schedule in the Big Ten. So you take the – it's like, well, if Kyle McCord on average throws one more pick per game than, than C.J. Stroud would, which is a lot. That's six or seven more picks over the course of a season, and I don't think it's that drastic. But let's just say yeah. it was a pick-a-game. There's nobody on Ohio State's schedule outside of Penn State, maybe, that you would say can beat Ohio State if you just hand them a free interception. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's just like put the talented guy out there, let him be erratic at times, let him develop in the season against Rutgers, Maryland, and Indiana. Maybe he has a really dumbass play every now and then. Maybe he makes a stupid turnover every now and then. Ohio State still wins. And then by the time they get to November 27th when they're playing at Michigan, he is the closest he's going to be to the complete version of himself at at any point this year. And then Ohio State goes into the postseason with a quarterback that's seasoned. Then at that point would have more reps and more experience than C.J. Stroud in that scenario and then move on from there. I don't know if that's the case now because Ohio State's defense is still, I think, prone to to issues and here's the most interesting thing that kind of hit me during the game and then you tell me if this is right or wrong okay Mm -hmm. Ohio State's offense was awesome against Akron obviously Ohio State's defense was pretty good against Akron obviously but if you take the Akron game out of it I think you could make the case that if you put both expectations for Ohio State's defense this year and Ohio State's offense next to each other, that Ohio State's offense has performed worse in relation to the preseason expectations than Ohio State's defense has. I agree. And if that's the case, then 
you can't play a quarterback that's not very good because Ohio State's defense is inherently flawed and you actually could be in danger of losing to a team like Indiana or Maryland. Because, like, let's not forget, guys, we're two weeks away or eight days away from messing around with Tulsa. So, like, unless you think that everything is fixed, which is what the Akron game is supposed to make you feel, just remember that you're not – you might not be in a position where you can give two interceptions away or two possessions where you might not score because you had middling around results um, for the most part of the Minnesota game until they turned it on late and, you know, aside for the first possession. Oregon, we know what happened. I don't even know what the Tulsa game was, and then now we've got a 59-point performance against a Division II team. So, I don't know. Rutgers is a pretty tough team, and they played really well against Michigan in the second half. I don't think Ohio State's going to lose or is in danger of losing that game, but they also aren't in a position to be donating anything either. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah. Um, do you think – was there anything in Kyle McCord's performance on Saturday where you thought to yourself, C.J. Stroud can't do that or hasn't done that already? To be honest, no. Yeah, I don't think so either. And I, I don't know if that should be like the way you evaluate it. I think Ryan Day has to operate off feel a little bit here too. Um, I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. I I think he could go either way, and I don't know if I'd question it. And I don't really know if anybody should question it. I think he's going to pick one. Um, Here's the thing about the quarterback competition. Ohio State quarterback position uh, competitions are so interesting, right? Yeah. Everybody loves them. But I don't know that the, the fate or, or the destination of this team is going to be determined by it like it has in years past. I, I think that whoever they pick, the ceiling for the team is marginally the same. Or marginally similar. I think that's fair. I think I think you have to find the guy because I think it's pretty clear what this offense is, right? Like it's a Trevion Henderson show, which is perfectly okay with me because that kid is incredible. Um, but you have to find the guy who's going to be accurate and and make those like downfield play action passes when you need them. And honestly, like whoever the quarterback is, I think he can throw the ball twenty five times a game. And they'll be totally fine with Trevion Henderson in that offensive line. And I did like, you know, uh, it, it makes me wish they would have done some of it with CJ in the first three games. Like those, like the jet sweep came back against Akron. I thought that was great. Anything to get the hand, the ball in the hands of Chris Olave and Jackson Smith and Jigba and Garrett Wilson without having to rely on a young quarterback to consistently make downfield reads and put the ball on the receiver accurately is great. I think they should do more of that. And, and I hope that was a sign that they're going to. Um, so I agree with you. I, I don't. I don't think. The quarterback does not have to be the person who 
drives this offense. I think the quarterback needs to be an efficient point guard. Um, and I think you've seen flashes of the ability to do that from both C.J. Stroud and Kyle McCord. And now you have to figure which of those guys might more quickly reach their potential as freshman starters, while also factoring in the fact that C.J. Stroud is still hurt. All right, I'm going to throw a midseason – this might be my last podcast for a week and a half heater at you. <laughs> Let's do it. You ready? Just, th- just throw that grenade, yeah. I don't know if it's politically correct to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, this is when everybody goes, oh, God, here we go. Gun to your head. <laughs> Will Quinn Ewers be Ohio State's starting quarterback next year? Um, I think I would say at some point, yes. To open the season... Uh, I'm a little less confident. I probably, I, I'd say no, but it's not a super confident no. But I think at some point next year he'll be the starter. Yeah, I agree with you. I was yeah. disappointed as everybody else was that he was like completely ruled out of playing in that game. I get it. I get it. You can't. Uh, yeah. I mean, he can open that door. Ryan Day can do whatever the hell he wants. I get why. Why can't he open the door? He can open it. Well. He's not practicing. Well, he's he's at practice, but like he's not getting the reps. He's doing like work after practice with Corey Dennis to like learn the offense. And it's not to say like if you throw him out there, he'd probably play okay because you know it comes back to instinct and he's a good player. Um, but I get like he's not. I'm not. As I'm far not as we can tell, he's not being prepared to play in a game. So then to put him in a game, I think would be a little unfair to him. I'm not making the point that I think he should have been in the game. I hope people don't take it the wrong way because I understand if you're not getting any reps in practice, you can't play. I'm just saying I'm disappointed that this wasn't an opportunity where he was ready enough to be a part of the conversation because everybody might have been because yeah, every because like everybody would have loved to just see it because there's no other opening now in the schedule where there'd be more of an up op- like because I remember the preseason game or the, the preseason over under episode how many touchdown passes will there be th- or, or touchdown passes will be thrown in the Akron game or, or how many quarterbacks will play in the Akron game and I think we said over three and a half. You know, like yeah. this was supposed to be a time where Ohio State was three and zero and playing grab ass, and like now it's just like they got to figure out who their best quarterback is. And Jack Miller played three or four useless possessions at the end of a blowout, and now it's kind of just like here we are again, going into the middle of the week at the end of September. It's like we don't know what's going to happen with the quarterback position, and it's like I think you can make the case that playing two quarterbacks in the game with the adage, if you have two, you have none is just as harmful or similarly harmful as not knowing what the situation is going into the middle of the week of who the yeah. team belongs to. Right. Yeah. I, I think – well, we don't talk to Ryan Day again until Tuesday. He he does a radio hit on Monday nights, and maybe he'll say something there. But I don't, I don't think we'll get any kind of word on where this is trending until Tuesday afternoon when we talk to Ryan Day for his normal weekly press conference. But, like, that's going to be – and maybe it'll be a cut, as cut and dry as, like, CJ's a starter. Let's stop talking about it. Um, but I have a feeling that he might not put it that directly. And there will be some intrigue going right up until Saturday and the potential for Kyle McCord to go into uh, PSIGHF Stadium there in Piscataway, New Jersey, and play in the shadow of his father, Derek McCord, who was a quarterback at Rutgers. The stories write themselves. Before we get to the elephant in the horseshoe. Let me make this point. And let me ask you this. And I know you don't get to watch a lot of football around uh, the country, but you had a night game, so you were probably pretty aware of what was going on during the day. 
Mm-hmm. What's your top five? Oh, top five. Um, <laughs> uh, Georgia, Alabama. This is when um, it gets fun. Yeah, <laughs> Georgia, Alabama. Um, I don't like Oregon hasn't lost and they beat Ohio State, so probably Oregon. I, I'm not a strong believer in that, but maybe Oregon. Um, man, I feel like I might forget somebody. Um, like Penn State and Arkansas. <laughs> Is that crazy? I don't know. It's pretty tough after the first two, I think. Alabama. Well, you're forgetting about Florida. I think if you give Florida a chance of, you know, being the best. Florida one. lost. Yeah. I mean, is Iowa a top five team? They were they were messing around with Colorado State and Colorado State. Is sticks, Arkansas so. a top five team? I, perhaps by default. I mean, Arkansas kicked A&M's ass. Yeah. Like, up and down. Like, they were destroying that team. Arkansas, was, Arkansas's <laughs> got a wonderful date with being a 19-point underdog against Georgia next weekend. I know. I'm very excited for that. Uh, Penn State? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Penn State, I was I was buying Penn State quite a bit, and then I and then Auburn was messing around with Georgia State, so I was like, oh, I don't know. Okay, yeah. Um, Wake Forest, the best team in the ACC. Wake Forest. I have not watched a second of Wake Forest football. I think you I can safely assume that they're lost. not a top five team. Okay, I know they haven't lost. Oklahoma. Yet. No, Spencer Rattler is like way too volatile, and I don't believe in that defense. Ole Miss. Uh, I think Ole Miss is going to beat Alabama. If Ole Miss beats Alabama, this season is hammered. I know. The only point I'm trying to make is Ohio State is a dumpster fire right now, but it is still superior in a lot of ways to many of the other dumpster fires that are happening around the country. Yes. And I think right now that I back to thinking they're going to make the playoff. It's just, it's such a it's such a weird year, and I think you can see a trending toward getting weirder. That like, yeah, I, I yeah, I agree with that. I just think like they have some stuff to figure out, but so does everybody else, and the potential is there to be great by the end of the year. Also, who's the best Heisman candidate? Mm, Matty Corral, maybe. Yeah, he's like the hot the odds on favorite to win. Yeah, and then when they lose to Bama. Potentially, when he, toss, when he throws six tutties and a fifty-six to fifty-five win against Alabama. No, it's always six touchdowns and four picks. Yeah. <laughs> is that next week? I think it's. I think it is. It's either next week or the week after. Yeah, Georgia Arkansas is going to be fun too. Sam Pittman, man, who knew? Higher offensive line coaches. It is next weekend. Coach. Bama, Ole Miss, and Georgia Arkansas are next week. But it's like, I don't like the point I'm trying to make is I don't know. Like, if, if Ohio State were playing Penn State on Saturday, who would you pick? Where's the game? It's in Columbus. I'd pick Ohio State. If Ohio State was playing at Michigan this weekend, who would you pick? Ohio State. That's, so, what are we doing? If Ohio State was playing at Penn State, I'd pick Penn State. Because, like, if it's happening, and I'm, and I'm asked you specifically about who they're playing this weekend as a way of, of framing your thought process of what this Ohio State team would be capable of. And for as crappy as it's been, I still think they're better than those teams. Michigan, yeah, from what I've seen of Michigan, like they're, they, they are back to having like an identity on defense. I think they play hard on that side. I, I like the, the, their trajectory there. I still don't think the talent level is where it needs to be. And their offense is totally one-dimensional. 
it's also uh, the same exact Jim Harbaugh teams of the first five years of his career there. Yeah. Ten win team, really, really solid, not good enough against hot top end teams. They just haven't played one yet for us to realize it. Yep. Yep. So, they you know, um, you know, and if, if Ohio State, because there was one of those weird years where Ohio State was kind of, you know, fumbling around a little bit and the game was in Ann Arbor and Ohio State was catching four points in that game. If that happens again, then baby's trust fund is going out the window, you know. Not that she would have one, but, like, <laughs> if Ohio State is getting points in that game, I don't care what the circumstance is. I mean, they're going to be. I, I think as, if, as You think if they were playing Saturday, they'd be underdogs? I don't. If they were playing uh, in no, Ann Arbor maybe, Saturday? They'd be, like, maybe like a, like a three-point favorite, maybe, field goal favorite. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so, anyway, I guess there's a lot of issues that need to be repaired, but – the good news for Ohio State is that they have four weeks to do it before they play Penn State, and they also are playing anybody that can beat them. Like, even at, at – I don't know, man. Am I, like, completely talking myself out of the Tulsa game? Like, I don't think that there's anybody on the schedule, Indiana, Rutgers, or Maryland, that can beat them. So, as they continue on forward, if there's a belief that Ohio State's defense will get to that point, then I think Ohio State's a playoff team again. I do think that Oregon will lose at some point. And that might mm-hmm. take the luster off of that loss. I mean, the the respectability off that loss. But, you know, right now I'm looking around the country and I don't see a lot of other options either. So yeah. um, the question now is from a personnel standpoint, does Ohio State have it? And they just lost a pretty important player, it seems. I, Maybe. I'm iffy, on, I'm iffy on that. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. So, like... I don't know. Do we need to do I need to do the play by play of what happened with K Pop? I think Pope, you should just you tell people what you saw. We saw what we saw on TV is probably different than what you saw. So I did not see what immediately precipitated it. Like I caught Kayvon Pope as he was walking, like storming up the sideline toward the end zone 
like making his way toward the team tunnel. And I asked uh, Austin Ward from Letterman who was sitting next to me what happened. And he said that Kayvon Pope tried to run onto the field as a part of a sub package, and then he was waved off the field by Taraja Mitchell because they were just keeping their base personnel out there. Um, and that pissed off Kayvon Pope, apparently. So he tried to leave the field. C.J. Barnett, the player uh, director of player development, um, chased him down, basically, and like brought him back to the sideline. And, and Kayvon was like pretty visibly upset during that entire exchange. He got back to the sideline, had a very brief, terse, heated exchange with Al Washington, took off his helmet, threw his gloves into the stand, uh, went over to Ryan Day, or Ryan Day went over to him, and Ryan Day, like, pointed toward the side, like, pointed, like, toward the tunnel, like, as if to say, like, get off the sideline. Um, and then Pope, like, talked to some teammates who were, like, trying to calm him down, talked to C.J. Barnett some more, and then Brian Voltolini, who's one of the football ops guys, um, looked like he told Kayvon to just leave the sideline. And then Kayvon tried to take off his jersey there, and then... C.J. Burnett, like, talked him out of that and then walked Kayvon up to the tunnel. They ran off the tunnel, and then, like, I don't know, 15 minutes later, Kayvon Pope started tweeting. The first tweet said, good luck to my teammates, and the second tweet, which has since been deleted, said, F Ohio State. Um, so that's it. That's the play-by-play. Afterward, Ryan Day did not really comment much on it. He talked He talked about uh, older guys who are not playing much, and there's some understandable frustration there. And Dallas Gant went into the transfer portal earlier this week. Um Kayvon Pope clearly frustrated by his lack of playing time. Um, so the question is, like, is that – like, Ohio State has had some weird vibes around it this year. It's been a weird season. Is something like that, like, indicative of an underlying issue in the program, or is that an isolated incident? And I don't know the answer. Am I, I'm inclined to think that it's probably more of an isolated incident, to be honest. It's got to be think, isolated because in the 100 years of Ohio State football, that's happened one time. Yeah, and I'm not it, sa- was wild. And it was I'm, wild. And I'm not saying that – other people would react to it the same way. It doesn't mean that they don't feel the same way, right? How you react yeah, to right. something and how you feel about something are two different things. So, like, I mean, but that's been a thing for a long time at Ohio State. You know, older players blocking the way for younger players. And then sometimes younger players who come in and are five-star prospects block the way for older players, you know? And the thing I about do. it is, yeah, yeah. like, I feel bad for anybody who's been in that position group because there has been a Hoover Dam in front of them. You know, and you put yourself in a – and, like, here's the thing about the Kayvon Pope scenario. If you're in a certain package or you're playing Akron, then I, I'm fine with letting guys play. So maybe that's what frustrated him. You know, he, gave, he put his time in. He's been at Ohio State for a long time. Not a single issue that I recall during his career off the field or on it. It's like that's kind of the time where, like, on one hand, you feel like these are the guys that earn their keep to get to play. But on the other hand, when your defense is a dumpster fire – you have to put the, the the players out there to help them get through their issue. So, like, I understand the frustration. I don't think that there's any way of excusing the behavior. Right. You know, like, and I get frustrated, and I've done some dumb things in my life, but nothing like that. And the thing about being an Ohio State football player is if you have a meltdown in Ohio Stadium, then everybody in the world is aware of it. And you're mm-hmm. they're seeing it and watching it. And then, like, even when he got to his phone, like – that so like, is there any coming back from that you think like if you're a, if you're a head no. coach can you understand and give him a second chance or is that 100% he's gone um i think you could give him a second chance i'm not entirely sure this would be Kayvon Pope's second chance um yeah and also i just i i have a hard time seeing him come back from that um and honestly like 
I don't know. I think I think Ohio State is they're they're thin at linebacker. If they lose him and they've lost Kayvon or they lost Dallas Gant, Mitchell Melton's out for the year. They have like seven scholarship linebackers. One of them's a true freshman. One of them, one of them was Pallier Noteote, who just became eligible, and the other one is Steel Chambers, who's a converted running back, but I actually think is playing pretty well right now. Um, so like the numbers aren't great, but I also think like Kayvon Pope. Um, I thought coming into the year he might be an odd man out because of the way the defense was changing. Just because I don't think he's in the box running, running down linebacker because he's only like six one two twenty. He was like a safety in high school, um, but they never tried him a bullet, and he was like a Sam, and they don't have a Sam anymore. And they played him in some passing situations against Oregon, and I thought he was pretty good. Like jumped in passing windows a couple times, almost had a couple picks, and then I think they rewarded him with more playing time against Tulsa, and he wasn't very good. Like he is a. He is a freelancer a little bit, I think, and obviously some good things can happen when you freelance, but obviously like bad things can happen when you freelance too. And I thought that he did not play well against Tulsa because he kept like really selling out to go where he thought the ball was going to go and then pulled himself out of positions and gave Tulsa easy passing windows. And you can't do that if you're a passing down specialist. So if they thought, like, you know what, we gave you a shot against Tulsa, you didn't do what we needed you to do with it, we're not going to play you as much against Akron, I think that's a fair evaluation, but I also understand why that'd be frustrating for Kayvon Pope. But And I also find it pretty hilarious that we spent, like, the entirety of Urban's tenure screaming for younger players to play ahead of older players who weren't as good as those younger players, and now that seems to be happening, and we want to know if there's a culture problem because of it. I don't think there's a culture. I, think that's a, I, don't, I don't think there's a culture problem. I don't think so either. I think Kayvon Pope. Uh, I think Kayvon Pope is the kind of person who is inclined to wear his emotions on his sleeve, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Um, and it came out in a, in, a, in a bit of a bad way for him um, on Saturday night. And I think he has a right to be angry, but I also don't think that his not playing was some kind of misevaluation by the coaching staff. I think there was a limited opportunity for him to play in the first place, and then when they put him on the field, he was just kind of okay. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, if the news, let me ask you this, if the news were to come out, Kayvon Pope has left the team in a news release on a Wednesday, how do you react to that? Okay. I think, yeah, I think they'll be fine. Um, They're just, they're thin at linebacker, that was true to begin with, like that was true at the start of the season, so it's not an ideal situation to be in in terms of just like bodies, but... In terms of like impact on the field, I, I'm not so sure that Ohio State would be tangibly impacted by that. Um, because that's what the, sto- the story is. Oh, my God, I can't believe that happened. But the real story is what does this mean for Ohio State's continued quest to relieve its defensive issues, and how will they be without him? And if the reaction to a Kayvon Pope has left the team press release with no public scene attached to it, and your re- reaction to that is okay, then the story to me is okay. That was crazy. That was weird. I actually feel bad for him because I know, yeah, so you know, I. like I, yeah. I don't think it's funny. I know people were like making fun of him and I actually kind of did at the beginning of the show and I f- kind of felt bad about it because it's just like, you know, when you put that much work and effort into something and it doesn't work out the way that you hoped it would when you signed, that can be a very frustrating thing. And like, I don't ever take for granted how hard it is to play football at Ohio State or how hard mm-hmm. it is to get on the field. Or to achieve the dream. And the other thing people have to realize, too, is that the dream for the kids that sign in this program isn't to be pretty good at Ohio State and to contribute and be a good teammate. It's to be a badass dude who makes it to the NFL and gets rich. Yep. So, like, 
it's a really tangible dream for some people. Like most of us, like the idea of having that much money is just impossible, you know? But for them, it's like you're three years away from things going right, from being in that position. And like I can imagine like if you get to the end of your career and like the realization that that's not going to happen comes, things happen, you know? And like if I were the head coach, I would be very disappointed and I would be like appalled by the way that he acted, but I don't know that it would be a, like, I think I might have the heart to welcome him back and forgive him, make him work it, you know, off in some way, like the coach Carter pushups and suicide scene, you know, do something (laughs) like that. But like, I don't think that what he did is the most awful thing a human being can do. And I think we've seen a lot of worse things on a football field in between the lines than what he did. And I think maybe the tweet is what put it over the edge, but like somebody having a meltdown in the middle of a game when your emotions are running high, I think is a forgivable thing. I don't know if that's just me or not. No, I I mean, I think if I think I'd be surprised if they allowed him to come back or even if he honestly, if he wanted to come back. Um, But I don't think it'd be unreasonable. I agree with you. Like, I, I don't know. They're, I think we've all lost our cool a time or two. His he just happened to lose his in a very public way, which is you know it's unfortunate, but it's it's a position you find yourself in when you play football at Ohio State, or are part of a high profile um, entity. So I don't know. I, I think I think there's a role for him on the team if he wanted to come back. Maybe it's not the role he wants, but I still think it's something that could potentially get him on the field in important situations. Um, but I don't know the tweet. The tweet might have been might have been too much. I think I think if it had the tweet not happened. I would probably be a little more open to the idea of him coming back or think that's more realistic. Um, and the tweet's been deleted. And But, like, the thing Ryan Ryan Day said, like, I, someone told me about a tweet. I got to look into that. I'm not going to say anything about this until after I get all the information. Like, it just sounds to me that that was, like, a last straw kind of thing. But we'll see. Um, I do think, like, Ryan Day let Marcus Hooker stay on the team. And he talked about how, like, when guys are going through stuff, you don't you don't push them away. You, you bring them back into the family and, and you know um, – kind of build them back up so if he wanted to take the same tact with with Kayvon Pope which is a very different situation from what Marcus Hooker was in obviously it's not even the same ballpark but it's guys going through stuff and and um potentially being on the precipice of leaving the program uh if he wanted to bring Kayvon Pope back in I I think he could do that and has shown himself in the past to be willing to do that in in situations where maybe you don't think he would so um but either way I'm not sure it impacts Ohio State tremendously on the field yeah yeah okay I mean, so. I, yeah, I mean, I I actually, you know, I, I just feel bad for the guy. And I feel like it's one of those things, too, where it's just, oh, my God, what happens? You go to bed in, in adrenaline, and then you wake up the next morning filled with, like, guilt. Yeah. And, yeah. like, oh, my God, how did it get to that point, you know? Mm-hmm. So we'll see. So we'll see what, it'll, be, yeah. it'll be interesting to see what Ryan Day says about it this week. <clears throat> yeah, we'll talk to Ryan Day on Tuesday. Um, I think quarterback is front of mind for everyone, for sure. Um, I'm going to dig in a little more on, on the defense. We did not talk much about the defense here. I'll have a story later in the week about like changes that have been implemented the last two weeks that I think are good changes. Some things that are still like holding defense back a little bit. That'll be probably Thursday. Um, I think that story will run. Um, I'll have something before then too on some other thoughts on the game and stuff like that. But uh, subscribe to the athletic, theathletic.com slash four dash six. I believe still get you 50% off. I think, I think that's still going. Um, if not, you can still sign up there, and I think get a little bit of a discount either way. So do that. Uh, keep listening to us here on 4 to 6 with A and B. We'll talk to you guys later in the week, or like I'm planning to. We'll see if Ari's around or if he's uh, doing his fatherly duties. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll try to pre-record something. Uh, 
But if I'm not on the episode, I didn't resign. I didn't quit. I'm still an athletic employee. I'm just helping my wife deliver a baby. Yeah. Big week. Big week ahead for everybody. We'll talk to you guys later in a week. Thank you.